Well, I just, I feel the presence of the Lord in here today. I'll tell you, I know that He's always with us. You know, the Bible says there's no place that we can go from God's presence. But have you ever noticed that all you have to do is reorient yourself to God? And especially if you're with a group of people who are in unity, reorienting ourselves to God, all of a sudden we become aware of the presence of God that is always with us. The Bible says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It says that the Lord sends the anointing of His Spirit, and there He commands the blessing. So, I believe God's about to command a blessing over each one of us today. Do you want a blessing commanded by the Lord over your life? Well, there is a real way to get blessed. If you really want to get blessed, there's a really good key in the Bible. It says, it is more blessed to give. Oh, I went quiet there. <laughs> it is more blessed to give than to receive. There is a greater blessing in giving than there is in receiving. And as you know, we are going through our message series called Simply, looking at basic building blocks of the Christian faith that all of us should really agree on and get before we try to move on and build our life of faith uh, on top of that. And we've looked at Jesus, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at grace, we've looked at the Holy Spirit. Today's called Simply Give. Because giving is not just something that churches need people to do so they can keep functioning or anything like that. Giving is actually one of the biggest topics discussed in the Bible. And in fact, I don't know if you know this, but 20% of the verses in the Bible talk about money and finances and possessions. In fact, this might even surprise you. There's more in the Bible about money than there is about heaven. And so, maybe that's because this is an issue that we need to hear a lot about because everybody wants to go to heaven, but not everybody wants to give away money. So, maybe we need a little bit more instruction on that. And, but here's the thing about giving. What we're going to see is that God is a promise-keeping God. And God promises us that if we will give in the right way and with the right attitude, that He will see to it that we are not worse off as a result, but actually we are better off as a result. And so, I want to start by just looking at uh, a passage of Scripture it's a, it, that Jesus, is something that Jesus said. It's in Mark's Gospel. And I want to read this to you, and um, this is a very interesting scripture here. Uh, and so it says here that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched the crowds, watched as the crowds dropped their money in. Now, I think this is interesting. I mean, like, how would you feel about it if, if we were taking up an offering and there was some dude standing watching how much everybody was giving in. <laughs> Would you feel a little bit uncomfortable? What if it was Jesus that was watching? 
I mean, this seems to imply that Jesus watches how, how people give into the offering. You know, once we had a, once in Scotland, uh, a very well-known evangelist came to the city of Glasgow, and all the churches banded together and uh, to support this, and he was a, quite a controversial evangelist because of the miracles and healings and things like that. So the secular media came to do reports on it. Well, I got asked, I was a pastor at the time, I got asked to do the offering. And like pastors don't like talking about money, just so you know this, they don't like talking about money because like we can see people squirming on their seats and we know it's uncomfortable and all of that and no one likes talking about it. You especially don't like talking about it when the secular media are there taking photos of you. And this was the passage of scripture that I read. Um, and I read it out and then I actually mentioned, I, I said to people, do you know that Jesus watches how much money you put in the offering? That was what they reported in the newspaper the next day. <laughs> about the pastor who got up on the stage and told people that Jesus was watching how much money they were putting <laughs> in the offering. Anyway, later on, the, the, the guy that organized the evangelist trips told me, he said, like, I know Scotland has a reputation, but he said, honest, you know, being misers and so on, but he said, honestly, that was the biggest offering we have ever received. <laughs> anywhere in the UK. Now, I don't know if that happens every time you read this verse, but I'm kind of hoping it does. That's why I'm reading it today, okay? So it says, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So in actual fact, to be more accurate, Jesus wasn't really looking at the amounts that people were giving, but the generosity of their hearts. Because she gave a little amount, but she was the most generous of them all. Also, this was a woman who was trusting God. It says here that, that, that um, she was a widow. She had nobody else to financially support her. And this was all the money that she had, and she put it all in. This woman, her heart must have been in the temple. Like, the temple must have been an important thing in her life. Because uh, if, she if she only had a certain amount of money and she was prepared to put it all into the temple, that temple must have been a spiritual lifeline for her, a place where she could go and she could worship and pray with other people and, and that she could receive the strength and the help that she needed from God. And you know, it, I'm sure she, you know they were familiar with all the Old Testament stories, and I'm sure this widow had in mind another story of a widow in the Old Testament when the prophet Elijah goes to a widow and he says, to, can, like there was a famine in the land. Sometimes people think when there's a famine, a financial famine, a financial downturn, you, you stop planting seeds 
But hey, you need to plant seeds in a famine or else you're, you're, the famine's going to stay forever. There's never going to be a harvest. There was a famine in the land, and Elijah goes to the woman and, and says, the Lord has said, you're going to feed me. And she says, I've only got enough food here, enough flour and oil to make like, uh, like flat breads for me and my son. We're going to eat them and then we're going to die. It's our last meal. And he says, the Lord says, make, a, make it for me first. So she does. She makes it for him, and her food is multiplied. She then has enough for her son. They survive through the famine. This widow, I'm, I would guess, knew the stories from the Old Testament of widows who had given everything they had to the kingdom of God, and God had met all of the, her, their needs. This woman gave more than all the others, and Poor as she was, she had given everything to live on. And that act of generosity in the heart, that is the thing that attracted Jesus' attention. It is not how much money you've got, it's how generous your heart is that catches God's attention. Now, why should we be generous? Let's just look at a few points here. Why be generous? Well, the first thing is, God is a generous giver. God is a generous giver. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Um, if, if He did not withhold His own Son, how much more shall He freely give us all things? Then elsewhere it says that God does freely give us all things richly to enjoy. God is a generous giver. And uh, he calls us to be generous like him. You know, so he wants us to be like him. He wants his kids to grow up to be like their, their dad. And so God wants us to be generous people. And he calls us again and again uh, throughout Scripture to be generous. But he also promises to reward our generosity abundantly. You know, God gave one son, his only begotten son, and he gave him freely, who was killed and buried, sown like a seed in the ground. Jesus said that he would die and be buried in the ground, but would rise again and bear a harvest, just like as a seed is planted in the ground, but grows and produces a crop. God planted, God gave, God sowed His one and only Son, and now He has millions, even billions of sons and daughters all around this world. For the last 2,000 years, a harvest of children are coming into the kingdom of God. And he's, that is a principle that God has established into creation, that as we give, it is given back to us again. Good measure, shaken together, eh, and running over an abundance that God wants to give us. So that's why we should be generous. God's generous. He wants us to be like Him, and He will bless us. He will reward us for our generosity. Okay, next thing, next point, is we can be generous in lots and lots of ways. And so, obviously, we can be generous with material possessions, money, food, and belongings, we can, we can be generous. I watched a video on YouTube where some aid workers were taking food to a, a remote village in Belarus, and um, it, it was very remote in a rural area, 
and they arrived with these foods because of the pandemic and because of that there had been no transport and they hadn't been getting their food supplies from the city and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, so, so they brought food there. Well, the people who lived in this remote village, they didn't care about social distancing masks or anything else. And the people are tr there with their masks on and they're trying to leave their food outside the door. But these people in this village in Belarus were so overjoyed to be getting a generous gift of food that they were making sure all those aid workers were getting hugged and kissed and dragged into their houses to sit down and have a cup of tea. And they're saying, we're not allowed to do that. Oh, for come in, come in. They were so overjoyed, they broke all of the taboos that they were trying to impose on them. Do you know when someone is generous towards you? Doesn't it just some, break something off of you? You know, sometimes you're in your own bubble. Sometimes you're in your own world. Sometimes your mind is only thinking about yourself. But then when somebody is unexpectedly generous towards you, it seems to break something. It breaks the spell. You suddenly realize, I'm part of a community. I'm part of a world. I'm not just a lone ranger. And when we are generous to people with money or food or belongings, we are not only blessing those people temporarily, but sometimes changing their whole mindset and their worldview for the future. We can also be generous with our talents, our gifts, and our abilities. Um, you know, I remember, uh, this is not really a, ta you know, like, Changing a car tire is not a talent, I suppose, but I'll, I'll include it in this. So I remember once, I w we were driving, my family was driving along the road, just down there, St. Albert Trail. We were driving along it, and there was a car in front of us with this old couple in, this, in the seat. And one of their wheels came off <laughs> and bounced down the road, and so they had to pull over and stop. So we saw that and pulled over, and I ran across the road and got the wheel and come back. And, uh, and the old guy got out, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I, my membership to EMA has lapsed. I said, do you have a jack? Yeah, I do. I said, I'll, I'll put it back on for you. And he, his wife was sitting in the passenger seat. And, and well, let me just say this. She was a rather large lady, okay? And so I said, your wife is going to have to come out the car before I jack it up. And he said, she's not got any legs. She can't. And I'm like, okay, I'll jack up the car with her and sit like, this was now going to cost a lot more work than I originally thought it was. And I want to tell you, uh, it, it was tough work, but I jacked that car up <laughs> and I put the wheel on. And I, I got all, the, all the, the nuts tightened up. Everything was fine. It was ready to go. And the old guy said to me, how much do I owe you? I said, nothing. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not like a car mechanic or a fixer-upper, like nothing. Are you sure? Yeah. Like he was surprised that somebody would be generous to him who doesn't know him and got nothing back. I remember once Christine was in the parking lot over here for Michael's and all that is, and as she was getting into her car, there was a car there, and their car wouldn't start. And she says, I've got power cables in, in the trunk. I'll, I'll start your car for you. How much will that cost us, the man said. She said, it will cost me like 10 seconds of my time. That is all. You know, it's nothing. 
And yet, people are surprised when people are generous. But do you know, if anybody should be generous, church, it's us. Because God has been abundantly generous towards us, and we should overflow with generosity to others. Even if it's your time, your friendship, or your knowledge. We were at the dog walking park recently, and you know, dog people talk to each other, but usually it's for a minute or two, and usually it's about your dogs. But this old guy got a hold of us and talked 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 and talked. And honestly, I really wanted to go. Uh, but uh, we could tell that this guy has been in lockdown for months and hasn't spoken to a human being and was desperate to tell anybody his life story. And I thought, what is... What harm is it to give the guy an extra 15, 20 minutes of our time? So we stayed there longer than we intended on just to give this guy, and I'm telling you, that 15 or 20 minutes made that man's day. Just a little bit of generosity. You might say, yeah, yeah, I'm broke financially. There are so many ways you can bless other people. Next, next slide says this. Here, now, we're going to talk about financial giving for the rest of it. The first line that we looked at, being generous with our money and our food and our possessions. When it comes to financial giving, in the Bible, it tells us three different ways that we can give financially. The Bible talks about tithes, offerings, and alms. And they're all kind of old-fashioned words now. Um, but, you know, we, we, even the word offering is an old-fashioned word now. We would tend, people tend to use the word donation or something like that. Um, but they're all old-fashioned words. They're all still find, found in the Bible, and they all have a slightly different meaning. A tithe is an old-fashioned word that just means 10% or a tenth. And in Scripture, you'll find that a tithe is when we, you take 10% of your income and you get, give to finance the running of the house of God. In the old, old well, not in the whole Old Testament, but during the law of Moses, it helped finance the temple, uh, the house of God could be the church of God, the work of God, the kingdom of God. It is going to finance God's purposes in the world. Now, I know something. When I became a Christian, I was young. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage to pay. So it wasn't that much of a shock to me. When I became a Christian and I heard about tithing, I thought, oh, oh okay, I just did it. But like, I realized that when people come to faith in Christ later in life, and they're all, they've already got all these financial obligations, it can sometimes be a shock to hear, wait a minute, the Bible says that I'm supposed to give 10, 10%. Do you have any idea how much 10% is? Yeah. Do you have any idea how much the government is taking off your wages? Do you know if you add up um, income tax, sales tax, property tax, make-believe carbon tax, and every other kind of tax that they've invented, do you know that you're probably giving 60% of your income back to the government? God is only asking for 10%. <laughs> and you can trust Him unlike politicians. Okay, <laughs> and so that's tithing. Then there's offerings. The Bible talks about offerings. And offerings are any amount of money that you voluntarily give uh, for any godly purpose. 
Um, and so anything that, 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 that would be that would be good to, that would bless somebody. So it could, it could again be the church. Some people, you know, don't, aren't yet at a place that they're tithing, but they do give money to their church. They're giving an offering. Sometimes churches ask for a special offering to buy equipment or for a particular project or something. That would count as an offering. Sometimes other charities and organizations might need money for something that would count as an offering. And so any amount that you voluntarily give to a good and godly purpose, that would count as an offering. And then the Bible talks about alms or almsgiving, and that is money that is given to the poor or to those in financial need. You know, like, so in the Bible, if they gave money to a beggar or they gave food to a beggar, that was the giving of alms. Um, if you sponsor a child through compassion or world vision or something like that, that is giving money to help those in need. And so those are the three types of giving that the Scriptures talk about. Now, when it comes to the subject of tithing, that can be controversial in, in, um, in the Christian church. Sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, tithing was just for the Old Testament. We are not under the law of Moses anymore. And that was what tithing was for. Now, we've just sang a song that all of God's promises are yes and amen. And that comes from a verse in the Bible that says that. It says, no matter how many promises God has made, they, they now all belong to those of us who are in Christ. And so through Christ, we say amen to the promises of God. Okay, so all of God's promises, even His Old Testament promises belong to us. We don't live under the Old Testament law, and therefore the curses of the law don't belong to us because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. But all of the promises belong to those of us who are in Christ. So let's just read a few verses that will show us tithing, past present, and future. And I want you to think of this stage here. Think of this section as ancient history before the law of Moses. And then this section here is when Moses came and gave the law, and then all the hundreds of years that the people of Israel lived under the law. And then this section here is after Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and ascended to heaven and poured out His Spirit, we're now under the new covenant. Three periods of time. So let's have a look at the first one. So this is before the law. Genesis 28. This is before Moses was born, before the Ten Commandments, way before there was any laws about tithing or anything else. Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if He will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And, I, and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God will become a place for worshiping God. And what is immediately associated with a place for worshiping God? And I will present to God a tenth of everything He gives me. Here, 
people who loved God were already tithing before Moses came along and there were any old covenant laws about it. Then the next one, during the time that Israel lived under the law, they continued to tithe. You know, it's like prayer. They prayed before the old covenant law. They prayed during the old covenant law. And we continue to pray after the old covenant law. They tithed before the old covenant law. And there was just a promise involved. They tithed during the old covenant law. And there was a promise if you did it and a curse if you didn't. It wasn't much fun. And then over here, under the new covenant, we can continue to tithe, but there's no curse because Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So all the non-tithers get off kind of scot-free there. And it says during the law, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I've met people over the years that say, I do tithe. Yeah, I do tithe. I set aside 10%, but the church only gets a little bit of it. And I give, others, I give it all away to other people. Well, that's offerings and alms. It doesn't say bring half of the tithe or three quarters of the tithe. It says bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will, here's the promise, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great there won't be room enough to receive it. I don't know about you, but like I have, I've not experienced that blessing yet. I'm still waiting for it. Like, like, if I open up my cupboards, there's room for more food. If I look in my bank account, there's room for more money. Like, I've not ran out of room yet. And it says here, there won't be room enough to receive it, uh, to take it all in. Then look what God says, try it. You'll like it. Try it, he says. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. I'm just wondering if if we could claim, see, I live near the river, and it's full of mosquitoes, and I'm just wondering right now if tithing can claim protection from that. You're, oh, and you will, listen, your crops will be abundant. I will guard you from mosquitoes and COVID-19. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. And so God wants people to look at us and say, why are they so blessed? Because the Lord is their God. That's why. What about, let's come to the time of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus said about tithing. The words of Jesus. He says, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, some people like to stop there and say, see, if I've just got faith and I show mercy to people, I don't need to tithe. But Jesus didn't stop talking. He said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You know, we don't have time, but if we did have time, we could have looked at uh, the book of Genesis and saw Melchizedek and Abraham and how Abraham, before the law of Moses, tithed to the, the high priest Melchizedek. And then in the book of Hebrews, um, it tells us that, Je I've got a slide that says this, it says that Jesus is 
the high priest, put the next slide up, please. There. It says in Hebrews 7 that Jesus is a high priest like Melchizedek, and it says the people of Israel give their tithes to the priests who die, but we give ours to a high priest who lives forever. Big, long, complicated passage, but if you want the proof, read it sometime. So, tithing under the, before the law, during the law, after the law. Now, it was legalistic during the law. There was all kinds of rules about it. We don't have that. It's more of a promise now. And so, God wants to bless His people with a promise. I remember years ago, a long, long time ago, we're, we're going to just look in a moment about how God leads us from our heart, because None of this is legalistic. None of this is a law. None of this is to shame anybody or embarrass anybody or put guilt on anybody or twist your arm up your back to give money because we're going to look at a verse that says that is totally wrong. And if you're given money because somebody's twisted your arm up your back or made you feel embarrassed and ashamed, then there's no point in giving at all. We'll see that in a moment. So, we, have, we don't live under the old covenant law. We have a relationship with God. And it is true that in your relationship with God, you know what is going on in your life, and God knows what is going on in your life. And sometimes you may feel led by God to be more generous than you normally are. And sometimes you may feel led, or you may feel like God has given you peace to kind of like hold back on your giving because of things that are going on in your life. So you need to decide in your heart what, what is going on in your life right now, what the Lord is asking for you, <clears throat> what would be a step of faith, what would be a step of wisdom, all of that kind of stuff. And so there may be times because of things going on in your life that you feel like, I have been generous in the past and I'll be generous in the future, but I'm in a kind of season of difficulty right now. And that is okay. But I want to ask you to pray and seek God. I remember years ago, <clears throat> a long time ago, <clears throat> back in the UK, uh, there were some circumstances in our life that like we were very, very, very difficult financially. Anyway, one night I had a dream, and, um, and I, I had kind of, I had stopped tithing, and I thought I'll get back to tithing as soon as this time is over. And sometimes that may be perfectly okay, but this night I had a dream. And in this dream, I was walking along a road with another group of Christians, and there was a man there who I knew who, who was an apostle, who was the apostolic leader of the family of churches that we were a part of. Anyway, they were all walking ahead. They were all ahead of me. And I looked up at the sky in this dream, and a big, a big light came out of the sky, a big bright light. And it came down, and it touched me on the head. And when it touched me in the head, a voice came out of it. And the voice said, if you tithe, I will prosper you. And in the dream, I got slain in the spirit and fell on the ground. And then I came to, and the light was gone, and everybody was walking ahead, and I ran up. And I saw this, the apostle, and I said to him, guess what just happened? And in the dream, I told him. And he said to me in the dream, 
I'm sure you don't need to tithe just now. I'm sure God understands what you're going through, and I wouldn't worry about it too much. And in the dream, I'm thinking I would normally take your advice, and because of our situation, I want to take your advice, but God just told me something different. Woke up and thought, wow, that was some dream. Two days later, I was having coffee with that apostle, and he was asking me how things were going in my life, blah, blah, blah. And he said, how are things financially with this situation? I said, I'm really struggling. And he said to me, I'm sure it's okay if you don't tithe just now. I'm sure God understands. I wouldn't worry about it too much. He was trying to give me good advice at the time, but I had already had a dream that God had told me, he's going to give you that advice and don't take it. And so as broke as we were, we continued to tithe and pray for more money to come in to pay the bills. And God, somehow or other, if I wrote it all down in a letter, it wouldn't balance. It wouldn't add up. But somehow or other, we got through this time of financial famine and got out the other side, not by not tithing, but by tithing our way out of it. And so we must be led by God, especially when we come to offerings and alms. Let's look at the next the next thing, generous offerings and almsgiving. The Bible tells us that God will lead us to be generous people. Let's just look quickly at these verses. Jesus, Matthew 6, when you give alms to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, calling others' attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you... You know how, have you ever seen celebrities doing that? They're up on the stage to get their public award because they gave money to poor people in Haiti. Yeah, we all gave money to poor people in Haiti and none of us got on a stage and got a reward. But that's perfectly fine. I don't want to get my reward before men. I want to get my reward from heaven. It says they've received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Let's read on. He says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store treasure in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And look at this. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart is really in something, you'll put your money in it. But look, it actually doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure is. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Sometimes your heart's not in something. Sometimes you wake up on Sunday mornings and you don't know whether you can be bothered coming to church or not. But I promise you, start putting your money in the church, you will find that you suddenly have a heart for everything that's going on in the church. You are invested now. Let's read on. It says this, no one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. If you can't be generous, it's a sign that money's got you. It's okay for you to have money, but don't let money have you. Uh, We live in a world where people love money and use people. God wants us to love people and use money, okay? So don't let it enslave you. And next one, 
says this, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we have for lunch today? When's the HelloFresh box arriving? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. God is a generous giver. We are going to pray in a few moments, and we're going to take up an offering. I just want to show you what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth about giving of an offering. He said this, I don't really need to write to you about this ministry of giving. You know, quite often when you pray for people, they're looking for a prophetic word. I want to know what my ministry is. Ka-ching! Here's one. (laughs) I've never heard anybody asking for this one, but here's one. Here's a ministry, the ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help. And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Let's read on. He says, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift. I want it to be a willing gift, not one giving grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who only plants a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then he says this, "Eh, you must each, and here's what I was talking about, you must each. Each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Hey, weren't we just singing that all His promises are yes and amen? Isn't this a promise that we've got here? A promise for, from God? That God will generously provide? It, well, is it? Well, yes. yes, it is. Okay. So I know that most of us give online. You know, if you want to give in person, you can go to the info desk and give by cash, check, or debit machine. But most of us, even who attend in person, give online. And I know that those of you watching from home, um, if you're giving, the only way to give is online. And I know that it's quite possible that you've already given this morning or earlier in the week or that you give on a Wednesday or you've got an automatic. I understand all that. But whether you are actually giving today or whether you've already given or whatever, we are going to pray for all of us that God would bless our generosity. And so I want us all to stand together. And if you haven't, like if you haven't given yet or anything like that, all you have to do if you're watching online as well is go to gateway.ac slash give and then you can give online there. So 
I'm going to presume that we've either all already given or as soon as the prayer is over, you're going to get your phone out or go to the desk and we're going to give. And so this is not, this is not, I'm not urging you to give. I'm trusting that we're all givers and I'm going to pray, we're praying a blessing upon our giving. We are claiming the promises of God. So let's put this prayer up on the screen. Let's put, we are saying that we have faith that God will be faithful to fulfill His promise and make sure that those of us who are givers, that He will give back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So are we ready to see this church? Are you ready? Let's lift up our hands, say it at home, Shout it in your living room. Let's say it together. One, two, three. As I tithe and give my offerings to God, I am believing for jobs and promotions, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, interest and income, checks in the mail, debts demolished, royalties received it's offering time hallelujah come on